Chapter Seven of Curly by Roger Pocock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Gerard. Chapter Seven, at the sign of Ryan's hand. At the time of Curly's visit, I was breaking in a bunch of fool ponies, and long in August sold them to the Lawson Cattle Company. Their flying W outfit was forming up just then for the fall roundup. So by way of swift delivery, I took my ponies down by rail to Lordsburg. Their camp was beside the stockyard, and the little old cow town was surely alive with their cowboys, stamping new boots around to get them used, shooting off their guns to show how good they felt, filling up with chocolate creams and pickles to while the time between meals, sampling the whiskey the games, and the druggist sure-thing medicines, or racing ponies for trial along the street. Now, I reckon that the sight and smell of a horse comes more natural to me than anything else on earth, while the very dust from a horse race gets into my blood, and I can't come near the course without my head getting rattled. But from the first whiff of that town, I caught the scent of something going wrong for most of the stockyard was full of cattle branded with the cross, and the Holy Cross vaqueros were loading them into a train. Moreover, by many a sign I gathered fact on fact that this delivery of Balshannon's cattle was out of the way of business, not a shipment of beef to the market, but a sale of breeding stock, which meant nothing short of ruin. I strayed through that town feeling sick, refusing to drink with the punchers, or talk cow with the cattlemen, or take any interest, and laugh. At the post office, I met up with Jim, face to face, and he tried to pass by short-sighted. Boy, said I, as I grabbed him, why for air you shake? Leave me go, he snarled. For why, son? Cause I'm shamed of yourself? Shamed of my father. Our breeding stock is gone to pay his gambling debts. All of it? What's left is awful. Now you leave me go. War two. To follow Balshannon's trail. Drink, gambling, shame, death, and a good riddance. You'll come with me first, says I, for an oyster stew and some bare sign. I ain't ate since it's up. He came with me for a stew and the doughnuts which made him feel some better in his heart. And after that I close herded him until the cattle were shipped, through the evening, through the night, and on to daybreak. And then I rounded up his greaser cowboys from various gambling joints and pointed him and them for Holy Cross. Boy, says I at parting, you've been at work on the range for long months now, and your mother is surely sick for the sight of your fool face go home you old chalk eye frog says he with a grin as wide as the sunrise you're getting rid of me because you want to have a howling time on your lonesome with all that money you got for your rotten ponies it was surely fine sight to see my jim hit the trail the silver fixings of his saddle and cowboy harness bright as stars his teeth a-flash, his eyes a-shining, as he stooped down to give me cheek at parting, and lit out with his tail up for home. His riders saluted me as their old chief in passing, calling, 
Buenos dias, senor, adios. Yes, they were good boys, with all their dark skin and their habit of missing the wash time, like built riders with big soft eyes always watchful, grave manners, gentle voices, gay laughter, and their beautiful Spanish talk like low thunder rolling. They were brave as lions, they were true as steel, and foolish only in the head, I reckon. So they passed by me, one by one, saluting with a lift of the cigarette, a glimpse of the eye, dressed gorgeous in dull gold leather, bright gold straw sombreros, rainbow-colored serapes, spur and gun aflash, reins taut, and horses dancing, and were gone in a cloud of dust and glitter away across the desert. I was never to see them again. It made me feel quite a piece wistful to think of Holy Cross down yonder, beyond the rim of the far grass, for that house had been more than home to me, and that range was my pasture where I had grazed for twelve good years. I could just judge, too, how Jim was wanted for home swift, while the Segundo, good old Juan Terrasas, would pray the young lord to spare the little horses. Tis sixty leagues, and these our horses are but children, senor. Confound the horses, says Jim. Let's burn the trail for home. Roll your trail, Pedro. Vaminos. But the child horses, my lord, grass-fed only in the hot desert. Roll your tail, and roll it high. We'll all be angels by and by. And Jim would lope along with a glad heart, singing the round-up songs. Little black bull came down the hillside, down the hillside, down the hillside. Little black bull came down the hillside long time ago. Then he would go on some more happy when he thought of the big tune to roll powder roll. As I heard afterwards, the outfit was rounding the shoulder of the hill about five miles out when, on the ridge beyond, Mr. Jim's bright eye took note of something alive. A vulture only, my lord, says the segundo, eating a dead horse. A quart of kittens, says my lord, some scornful. Call that a vulture? And off he sailed, clattering down a slope of loose rocks. That bird is a man-bird flapping at us for help. Segundo, you've no more range of sight than a boiled owl. The Segundo came grumbling along behind, and they curved off across the level. That man has lost his horse, says Jim, thirsty, I guess, and signaling for help. Go back, Terrazas, and tell the men to wait. Si, senor, and Terrazas rolled back to the trail. As Jim got nearer, he saw that the man on the hill had signaled nothing, but his coattails were a flutter in the wind. Now he came all flapping from rock to rock down the hillside. Hello, Jim shouted. The stranger squatted down on the rock to wait for him and sat wiping his face on a red handkerchief. He was dressed all in black, a sky scout of sorts, but dusty and making signs as though he couldn't shout for thirst. Jim took his half-gallon canteen, ranged up and dismounted. Curious, he was thinking, lips not swollen, tongue not black, this man ain't thirsty much. My dear young friend, says the preacher between drinks, you're the means under heaven of my deliverance. Go from a shocking end. 
"'Scared you'd have to go to heaven?' asked Jim. "'I was afraid,' gulp, "'that I must give up my labors in this vale of gulp, "'for which I was found unworthy. "'Is that so?' "'Sir, I have walked far and am much exhausted.' "'Jim looked at the preacher's pants.' and saw that a streak of the cloth from knee to ankle was dusty none, the same being the mark of the stirrup leathers. He could not have walked a hundred yards from his horse. Stranger, says Jim, your horse is just on the other side of this hill. Yes, indeed, but it never lets me get any nearer, and I've chased it for miles. I'll catch your horse, Jim swung to his seat, spurred off, circled the hilltop, and found the preacher's horse rain to the ground, unable to trot without being tripped at once, dead easy to catch at one jump. This parson man was a liar, anyway. Then something caught Jim's eye, a sort of winking star on a hill crest far to the east. He watched that star winking steady to right and left. The thing was a heliograph making talk, as it supposed, to the preacher and Jim watched harder than ever. He couldn't read the signs, so wondering, most plentiful, he spurred up to find out if anything more could be seen from the crest of the hill. Yes, there lay the railroad and the town of Lordsburg, plain as a map. This preacher had been sly and heaps untruthful, so Jim rode back leading his horse, but kept the sights he had seen for his own consumption. I shall thank you, sir, says the preacher. Alas, that I should be so poor a horseman. My sacred calling has given me no chances of learning to ride like y'all. Jim watched him swing to the saddle, as only a stockman can. You may dress a puncher in his last coffin, but no disguise short of that will spoil his riding. Maybe, says the preacher, you can favor me with a few hints on the art of setting a whoa, hoss. And if you please, we will go more gradual cause the motion is pitching my poor kidneys up through my neck. Whoa, yow! Jim broke away at a trot, sitting side-saddle to enjoy the preacher, who jolted beside him like a sack of dogs. Stranger, says he, the trail is where my men are waiting yonder. To the left it goes to Lordsburg, to the right it runs straight to Bryant's, and on to Holy Cross. Good morning, sir, and he left on the dead run. My dear young friend, the preacher wailed at him. Whoa, whoa, now, I've got mislaid. I place myself in your hands. Jim reigned. Well, where do you want to go? I want to find a wild, sinful young man by the name of Duchesne. He's the Honorable James Duchesne. Perhaps you know him. Partly. Well, what's your business with him? I suffer, says the preacher from clergyman's sore throat. A hip. Permit me, sir, to ride with you while I explain my business. As you please. They had gained the trail, and Jim swung into it with the preacher, calling back to his riders to keep within range astern. Besides, says the preacher, coughing behind his hand, I am somewhat timid. There are so many robbers that I yearn for your company for protection. Jim yelled back to his men in Spanish, Boys, just watch this stranger. He's no good. Keep your guns handy, and if he tries to act crooked, 
shoot prompt thank you sir says the preacher and now your business quick it appears the preacher groaned that some wicked men have been behaving deceitfully in the purchase of a flock of cows from this young gentleman eh yes they paid for his flock with a draft made in favor of lord balshannon on the national bank at grape city what a dreadful name for a city suggested of rats go on ma'am this draft on the bank from jabez y stone who bought your cattle sir you forwarded from lordsburg yesterday it will be presented today by lord balshannon at the bank in grave city how do you know unhappily my sacred calling has left me quite unfamiliar with the carnal affairs of this most wicked country well what's wrong the bank wired yesterday morning that they held money to meet this draft stone showed me the telegram up to noon said the preacher there was money in the bank some forty thousand dollars in the name of jebby's wife stone ready to meet your draft and pay for the cattle i know that at noon yesterday that money was withdrawn from the bank impossible jebby's wife stone had given a previous draft to another man for the money the other man got the plunder the <laughs> drops i mean oh that we pulp mortals should so crave after the drops which perisheth don't preach oh my young brother the little word in season i wish it would choke you now who drew that money a carnal man your father's mortal enemy mr ryan 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 mr george ryan yes sir to-day your father presents a worthless paper at the bank in exchange for his breeding cattle oh how grievous a thing it is that deceitful men should so deceive themselves preparing for a sultry hereafter think of these poor dumb driven cattle exchange for a bogus draft upon a miserable miserable bank how luis jim yelled and his segundo old luis terrazas came a-flying luis take the men home i've got to go back to lordsburg stay the preacher lifted his hand brushed back the hat from his face and stared into jim's eyes chalkeye davies is yonder at lordsburg thar you can't trust him eh send a letter to chalkeye ask him to wire the sheriff at albuquerque to hold that thar train of cattle pending inquiries i'm going back myself you stand aside sir if you don't ride straight for holy cross you ain't going to see your mother alive she's sinking rapid how do you know what's happening at holy cross at grave city and at lordsburg and all these places a hundred miles apart have i said anything boy that you can't believe you lied when you said you were thirsty when you claimed to have walked when you made out you couldn't patch your horse and couldn't ride you lied and you're a liar the preacher reached for his hip, and a dozen revolvers covered him instant. Sir, he said quite gentle, my handkerchief is in my hip pocket. Observe me blow my nose at your remarks. He trumpeted into his big red handkerchief. Why do you make this bluff, says Jim, at being a preacher, when you've been all your life in the saddle? Your questions, sir, are personal for a stranger, 
and the character you gave me to your greases was some hasty and the salute of guns you offer makes me feel unworthy as to your thanks for an honest warning to save your lost cattle and haste to your dying mother jim flushed with shame i beg your pardon sir and you accept my warning if you prove you forgive me by shaking hands mister mister just call me friend no more and jim when you've been to holy cross your natural feelings will call you swift to grave city where you'll find your father in mortal danger i fear in mortal danger unless said the stranger a mere friend can save him jim looked into the stranger's face at the tanned hide seamed and furrowed with trouble the strong hard lips twisted with a sort of queer smile at the eyes which seemed to be haunted sir he said i'll do what you tell me so he took paper and pencil from his wallet leaned over the horn of his saddle and made it desk enough for what he had to write will this do says he passing his letter to the stranger yes i reckon add sonny that mr michael ryan's private kyle is due from the east tomorrow with the pacific express it's time to reach grave city at ten o five p m chopin will be there jim wrote all that down then looked up fearful surprised at this preacher knowing so much then glanced all round to see which man had the best horse for his message oh naughty he called si senor take this letter onati to mr chalkeye davies in lordsburg then you'll follow me home onati uncovered took the letter and bowed his thanks gracias senor adios and curved off swift for lordsburg then jim saw the preacher's eyes boring him through you will shake hands he asked with a glad hand said captain mccalmont put her thar boy i hope when we meet up again you'll remember me as a friend so the great robber swung his horse and spurred up back to his hilltop while jim and the vaqueros burned the trail for home End of chapter seven